Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. I'm so sick of that same old love. Feels like I've blown apart. I'm so sick of that same old love that kind of breaks your heart. These are the words from the popular Selena Gomez song titled, Same Old Love. Have you ever considered your pattern in love relationships? Have your relationships left you feeling empty, angry, and lonely over and over again? You know, that painful reality that many people find it difficult to stop and observe what they accept, tolerate, accommodate, and come into agreement in their relationships. Hi, I'm Dr. Janie Lacey, and I help women heal from toxic relationships so they can thrive in business, love, and life. And in today's episode, I want to go and discuss with you some common questions that I get asked around the term love addiction. I'm a certified sex addiction therapist, and I train therapists in toxic patterns of love in women in particular. And one of those questions that I often get asked is, is relation Is love addiction, relationship addiction, real? And sometimes we can use those words interchangeably, relationship addiction and love addiction. But for the sake of this conversation with you today, I'm going to be referring to toxic love as love addiction because it's important. And I want to note this before I go into this conversation with you. It's important to note that love addiction has not been classified as an official diagnosis in the field of mental health. But many mental health professionals take issues with attaching the designation of addiction to what is considered a passion-related behavior. But however, there's no doubt the term love addiction can be very useful in understanding very specific problematic relationship behaviors and patterns. So just hang with me for a minute. Let me take you on a journey because it can also be helpful in shedding light on how to break a deeply rooted psychological compulsion when it comes to relationship or love. But let me start by sharing this with you. Love addiction has similar characteristics and cycles like other addictions. And the definitions of addictions can range from anywhere from narrow to broad. But I want to share with you the working definition that I am working from when I'm talking about love addiction in particular. Right. So when we look at addiction, we can define it as a physical or a psychological dependence on a mind altering substance or brain disorder characterized by compulsive engagement and rewarding stimuli despite adverse consequences or dependence 
on or compuls- compulsion to any substance or behavior. So let's go back to love addiction. Love addiction is similar to other addictions in that it is formed as a defense against unresolved pain. It is formed in the defense of unresolved pain. Hang in there with me. So like other addictions, love addiction focuses increasingly on the object of the addiction. So in love addiction, it's usually the person is the object that becomes the increased focus of. But this is detrimental to the person. We're going to call her or him the love addict. So this becomes detrimental to that love addict. And the typical love addict will, and if you relate with this, pay attention. They'll lose interest in activities outside of their addiction, outside of the person, right? So we're looking at love addiction as addicted to the person relationship. So they form all of their life now around that person, around that object. So the things that they were doing before, they'll drop it very quickly if the person that they are addicted to or the person who they're giving time and attention to calls them. So they're going to the gym. They're going to hang out with their friends. And all of a sudden, we'll call him Bobby. Bobby calls her and says, hey, I'm in town. You want to hang out? So all the things and all the activities that she was once doing now go bye-bye because she drops everything to give Bobby her time and her attention. And then we'll also see the addiction can cause problems with family and friends because now family or friends are like, we don't see anymore. Why don't you answer your call? You're always with Bobby, right? So some of this may seem normal, but still hang with me. And even at work. So the person could be at work. They're no longer focusing. They're thinking about Bobby, just an alias. They're checking Bobby's social media. They're constantly seeing if, if Bobby has called or they're looking at pictures or activities that they once did with Bobby right? They're preoccupied with the relationship or with the person. So this is how it can also interfere with work. But when the addiction is interrupted, the addict will feel intense emotional withdrawal, literally will feel withdrawal. So let's say Bobby goes ghost. A lot of you experience ghosting. So say Bobby goes ghost for a while. Then all of a sudden there's panic, there's anxiety, can't eat, can't sleep. There's obsessive thinking, right? So anthropologist Helen Fisher, Helen Fisher, she proposes this, that love addiction is just as real as any other addiction in terms of its behaviors, behavioral patterns, and the brain mechanisms. She also believes that The lovers express all four of the basic characteristics of addiction, craving, tolerance, withdrawal, and relapse. Craving, tolerance, withdrawal, and relapse. Helen Fisher, Helen Fisher. So when we think about toxic love or the person We'll call her, and just for the sake of the conversation, it can be him or her, her, the love addict. She lives in a chaotic world 
of desperation, of a desperate need, and emotional despair. And oftentimes, whether it's conscious or unconscious, she is fearful of being alone or rejected. That love addict, there's an endless search for that special someone. This is the stuff that movies are made of, right? That soulmate, that one, love movies, the notebook, all, and I love all those movies, right? So nothing against those movies. But when we think about so many media, music, movies, even commercials, Valentine's Day, that soulmate, that one, there's that one that's out there for you. So when we're looking at the toxic love, the love addict, there's an endless search for that one because when she finds that one, mm -mm -mm, he's going to fulfill all my needs. My life is going to be changed. My life is going to be rocked. I've been waiting for him all my life. Does any of these words sound familiar? Have you said these words or have you heard them in movies? That search for that special person. And that, was it Jerry Maguire? You complete me? No, 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 nobody completes you. But that's what the movies are made of. You complete me. That's what the love addict is looking for. She's looking for that person who completes her. She's looking for that person who's going to change her world. She's looking for that person who's going to make all those kissing the frogs all worth it because she's found that one. She's found that one. Do you hear fantasy in there? But ironically, love addicts oftentimes have had numerous opportunities for the truly intimate experience that they think they want. They think they want. Hear me again. They think they've had numerous opportunities for the truly intimate experience that they think they want. But they are much more strongly attached to that intense, intense, extreme experience of falling in love that they are to, listen to this, peaceful intimacy of healthy relationships. So what I'll hear is people will say, I want that peaceful intimacy of a healthy relationships. They want a healthy relationships. But if I take their relational dynamics and I draw it on the, on the wall, so to speak, or many times with clients, we do relational relationship timeline. And if you're listening to this and you've never done this, and you've had more than, let's say, three or four relationships, you want to do not only a basic timeline of your life, but an also a relationship timeline is to look at all the people that you've been attracted to, all the people that you've been in relationship with. And when I say relationship, that's also hooking up, that's entertaining, right? All that stuff, including monogamous relationships. But what happens when we look at love addicts is that intensity, that stuff that the movies are made of, the stuff that the music is singing about, Sam Smith, you were built for me, right? I love some Sam Smith. So again, nothing, say nothing about Sam Smith, but in his lyrics, right? I was built for you. I was built to carry all of your needs. I don't want anything. I just want to be there for you. Wouldn't we all order one of those? (laughs) 
it doesn't exist, right? But yet we'll fall into that fantasy that you can be there for me and I don't necessarily have to do anything, right? We get queendom all wrong. Another whole conversation um, regarding that, ladies. But as such, they spend much of their time hunting again for that one. Listen to your conversations, especially if you're a lady or a man. But you're always looking for that one. And they base nearly all of their life choices on the desire and search for that perfect relationship. Everything from wardrobe choices, clothing, clothing that you wear, to endless hours at the gym, got to get that, that sexy body, got to get that body, to engaging in hobbies and other activities that may or may not even interest them. To the ways in which they involve others in conversations and social interactions. So pretty much all of their being, from taking care of themselves to all the interactions, engaging in activities, putting themselves out there, is because they're searching for that, that one, the one who's going to complete me. But for individuals who are truly, truly, truly seeking a long-term relationship, healthy romantic intensity, the rush of that first love, that is the catalyst that brings about the bonding necessary to sustain an intimate attachment. But for love addicts, however, they're addicted again to the rush of that first romance, and because of that, their relationship never develops beyond that initial emotional elevated state. So when I'm looking at addicted relationships or addicted cycles and relationships, there's usually some level of a conversation that will go like this. It's, I just wanted to go back to the beginning. I want her to go back to the beginning. I want him to go back in the beginning. It was perfect in the beginning, Janie. It was perfect, perfect. Can you help us get back there? So pause there for a minute. That's a fantasy. You can never go back to the beginning of a relationship because that's why it was the beginning. Now you have time, experiences, hurts, all of that stuff. So if someone, and I'm not saying it's completely unhealthy, but when I hear, I want to go back to the beginning of that relationship, there's usually something that will indicate to me that we're attached to a fantasy and they want that elevated emotional state. If you've been in relationships for any period of time, you know that relationships is like a zigzag and there will be a day where you look at your partner and you wonder if you even love them, right? And this is why relationships are not sustained on emotion alone. Whole nother conversation. But when we think about, again, we're talking about love addiction. When they're in that relationship, they feel, again, after the initial intense intensity of the relationship is gone, they'll feel detached. They'll feel unhappy. They'll feel restless. They'll feel irritable. And they'll feel discontent because the rush has faded, right? The intensity of the emotions. Many people who are engaged in toxic relationships or unhealthy love or love addiction, they mistake intimacy for intensity. True intimacy is not intensity. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to continue this conversation. And I hope you're taking plenty of notes because I'm going to share with you after the break some signs and symptoms of love addiction. We'll be right back. Let's talk about it with Janie Lacey. 
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it. Anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed, This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Today, we are talking everything love addiction. Love addiction, I'm also using interchangeably with toxic love. So back to love addiction. You know, before we went to the break, I talked about that love addict. They're addicted to that rush of that first romance. And because of that, their relationships never develop beyond that initial emotional elevated state. When they're in relationship, they feel detached, They feel unhappy, they feel restless, they feel irritable, and they feel discontent because the rush has faded. But when they're not in relationship, they feel desperate, they feel unworthy, they feel alone. And they'll usually feel that until they find that new potential mate and so they get that experience that hit of feeling in love again falling in love again once more so that's when they're driving in their car turning on sam smith or whatever love song they're playing they're watching the love movies they're a little more pep in their step right that adrenaline dopamine all those chemicals are now going through their body So, if you relate to anything I'm saying, now let's get into some signs of love addiction. These are signs of love addiction, right? And what you're going to notice is that these signs of love addiction also include some 
patterns that you may have experienced in relationship, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's love addiction presence, okay? So these are typical signs of love addiction. So let's go through a couple of them or go through majority of them, I should say. The person who potentially is in love addicted, toxic relational patterns, patterns, not a problem, is they mistake intense sexual experiences and new romantic excitement for love. Let me say that again. They mistake intense sexual experiences and new romantic excitement for love. Second, they're constantly craving and searching for a romantic relationship. So wherever they go, they're always looking out. They can be in Starbucks, putting on a little extra lipstick because I can run into the one, always on the hunt. But when in a relationship, they begin to feel desperate to please and they're fearful of the other's unhappiness. So anxiety starts setting into the relational dynamic. And as soon as the partner becomes distant or let's just say is relaxing and just has a lot on their mind, there's a hypersensitivity to feeling with a withdrawal. And then there's a pursuit that starts, but I'll get to that in a minute. But also a couple other signs. Number four, when not in a relationship feels very desperate and alone, when not in a relationship feels very desperate and alone, as opposed to a healthy, attached, secured person, they're good whether they're in a relationship or not because they know that they're whole and they know that relationships don't make them or do not complete them. If anything, there's a growth that can occur in a relational dynamic. And number five, there's an inability to maintain an intimate relationship once the newness and excitement has worn off. Let me say that again. There's an inability to maintain, to maintain an intimate relationship once the newness and excitement has worn off. So what we'll see, sometimes a typical example of that would be if someone has relationships, let, let's say um, every three to four years, they're constantly either changing relationship or getting into a new relationship. There's some type of pattern that we can see when we're going through that person's relational um, timeline. And ne next uh, sign, they find it un unbearable or emotionally difficult to be alone. This should be a test for everyone. If you can do, if you can afford to do it, so to speak, have a weekend just by yourself. Uh, by yourself and, and, and even experience no distractions. Let's say a silent weekend. No television, no social media, just maybe you. Pen, pad, a book. No engagement, social media, no engagement with anyone else. How many of you can actually do that? Well, something to think about. But when they're also not in a relationship, again, we're going over signs of love addiction. When not in a relationship, they compulsively use sex and fantasy to fulfill the loneliness. Compulsively use sex and fantasy to fill the loneliness. And they also choose partners who are emotionally unavailable and or, or, and or can include both verbally or physically abusive toxic relationships. Not all toxic relationships are domestically abusive, but domestically abusive relationships are toxic relationships. 
And then they're also choosing partners who demand a great deal of attention and caretaking, but who do not meet or even try to meet your or their emotional or physical needs. Another sign, participating in activities that don't interest you or go against your personal values in order to keep or please your partner, right? So you're constantly self-sacrificing. You're constantly giving up the things that are important to you to please, to make the other person happy. And then you're also giving up your own important interests, beliefs, or friendships to maximize time in the relationship or to, pol- or to please a romantic partner. Another sign, you use sex, seduction, and manipulation, guilt, shame to hook or hold on to a partner. You use sex or romantic intensity to tolerate difficult experiences or emotions. Another sign. You miss out on important family, career, social experiences to search for a romantic or a sexual relationship. Another sign. All right, again, as I'm going over these signs, everything is on a spectrum. Everything is on a spectrum. But another sign is you use anonymous sex, porn, or compulsive masturbation to avoid needing someone thereby avoiding all relationships. Very, very common one is that someone who will try to say, well, I'm going to fulfill all my needs. And they use many devices, porn, compulsive masturbation, anonymous sex, all these other things, because it's what we call detached sexual experiences, detached relational experiences, relational sex, non-relational sex. So they're going to non-relational sex because then They don't have to worry about anybody. They don't have to worry about the relational dynamics. They don't have to worry about all that stuff coming up. So they try to avoid it. And they'll also find it difficult or impossible to leave unhealthy or an abusive relational relationship despite, think about this, repeated promises to oneself or to others to do so. It's kind of like this, come here, go away, come here, go away. I can't live with you, but I can't live without you. And sometimes I'll hear people, they'll literally say that to me, is that, you know, Janie, I can't see myself in this relationship long-term, but I can't see myself being without it either. Come here, go away. I love you, hate you, right? There's this black and white, you're all good, you're all bad. There's usually that dynamic in, um, in a love-addicted relationship. And then what will happen is we'll also see that there's repeatedly returning to previously unmanageable or painful relationships despite the promises to oneself or others to not do so. Typical example, and some of you are probably going to relate to this, is that this is when you say to yourself, I'm never going back to that person again, right? You think to yourself, you're never going back to that person again, but then your friends will say to you, you're back with them again, right? You're constantly breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together, right? Again, push, pull, push. I hate you. I love you. And sometimes this can go on for months where there's separation from the relationship over months. Um, And then you get back together. There may have been people in between, right? Just creating more and more challenges for the relational dynamics. But this is important. And I went through some, some signs and, you know, let me repeat them very quickly in case if you missed them. Mistakes, intense sexual experiences, and new romantic excitement for love. Constantly craving and searching for a romantic relationship. 
when you're in a relationship, being desperate to please and fearful of the other's unhappiness, when not in a relationship, feeling desperate and alone, there's an inability to maintain an intimate relationship once the newness and excitement has worn off, you're finding it unbearable or emotionally difficult to be alone, when not in a relationship, compulsively using sex and fantasy to fill the loneliness, choosing partners who are emotionally unavailable and or verbally or physically abusive, choosing partners who demand a great deal of attention and caretaking, but who do not meet or even try to meet your emotional or physical needs, participating in activities that don't interest you or go against your personal values in order to keep or please a partner, Giving up important interests, beliefs, or friendships to maximize time in the relationship or to please that romantic partner. You use sex, seduction, and manipulation, manipulation like guilt and shame, to hook or hold on to that partner. Using sex or romantic intensity to tolerate difficult experiences or emotions. You're missing out on important family, career, or social experiences to search for that romantic or sexual relationship. You use anonymous sex, porn, or compulsive masturbation to avoid needing someone, thereby avoiding all relationships. And you find it difficult or impossible to leave unhealthy or abusive relationships despite repeated promises to oneself or others to do so. You repeatedly return to previously unmanageable or painful relationships despite promises to oneself or others to not do so. I'm never going back. And you go right on back. So with all romantic relationships, let me hear me hear me clearly. While all romantic relationships, they may exist some of the signs that we just went through occasionally, but with love addiction in particular, there's a consistent pattern of these signs and that pattern results in ongoing and eventually escalating of negative life consequences. It will eventually escalate to negative life consequences. So when we think about love addicts and they're searching for something outside themselves, a person, relationship, experience, to provide them with the very, very, very thing, the emotions, the connection, and life stability that they lack. Did you hear that? They're looking for the very thing that they lack. So in other words... Love addicts use their intensely stimulating romantic experiences to temporarily fix themselves and feel emotionally stable. Keyword here is temporarily. It's not going to last. So another question people ask me when we're talking about love addiction or toxic relationships in general, especially if they themselves are the ones who are trying to heal from it, they're the ones that are trying to break free of the toxic pattern is they'll ask me, well, well, Janie, why did this even form in me? Why am I even like this? So let's go back to this. And, and again, everything is on a spectrum. So some things may apply to you if you relate to this conversation. And there may be some things that do not. But I want you to be open and be curious about your own life. When we're open and curious about our own life, we can lean in and we can try to see things and we can get out of being locked into unconscious stuff that's still in our subconscious stuff that's still running havoc in our life. 
Because most of the time, most of the time, the roots of love addiction extend back to our early childhood. Most women who come through my program called Women Redeemed. So in Women Redeemed, there is a group that we do. We do 12 weeks of intensive group therapy three times a year. We have a yearly retreat. I have a six-week course membership. We have a monthly membership. And then I have a video membership. And many of the, the women who are on the journey to recover from a pattern of love addictive, toxic relationship patterns, not a problem, but a pattern, they usually have had a history of abandonment, of neglect, inadequate or inconsistent nurturing from their childhood, from their primary caregivers that can lead to love addiction. And unlike many other addictions, love addiction is often the result of what we call an insecure attachment pattern. I'm a big believer that we all need to know and understand our own history. We need to have a PhD in our own history. And part of that PhD in your own history is you want to know your own attachment pattern. How do you attach in relationships? And usually that attachment pattern was originated in our childhood. Usually the attachment patterns developed during those first 18 months of life. Think about this. 18 months of life can create downloads and systems, all the stuff that can lead to a certain pattern in our life. But when you think about this, Those first 18 months of life, they're a result of how the primary caregiver, which is usually the mother, how she interacts with the infant, right? And if you have children, think about this. In order for that infant to develop secure attachment, the child must feel safe, must feel seen, and must feel soothed. So the way the caregiver relates to that child at times when the child is upset or in distress is of utmost importance, right? So some of us, we've grown in in family systems where children were seen and not heard. You start crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Do we think and really understand what we do to a child, regardless of what's happening when they're in in an upset state and we ignore them, we dismiss them, we don't attune to them, we don't help them soothe? Because when we think about a secure, a securely attached child, that securely attached child, they will, they will consistently turn to that parent for comfort and connection when they're upset because they know they're going to get soothed. They know that they're going to calm down and then they go back to whatever they're doing before. But when we think about an insecure attachment, this develops when a parent is unable to consistently soothe that child and in this, in, the, in this scenario, right, let's think about the scenario, the upset, the upset child turns to the parent for comfort and connection, but they get ignored, that their parent is too anxious or distracted to properly soothe them, or they're scolded or even abused for crying and having needs. Again, I'm going to give you something to cry about, but how attuned the parent is to their child at times of distress over time can form attachment patterns that follows that child well into adult relationships, which is why you want to know if you're insecure, you're secure, you're anxious, you're avoidant. You want to know what your attachment style is because whether you know it or not, it's going to show up in your relationship. It's going to show up in your relationship. So most love addicts, right? We think about 
love addicts, let's get back to the topic of can most love addicts, they had a parent or parents that were not attuned to them as small children. They were not attuned to them as small children. They were unable to meet their child's primary need, need for love, connection, and validation. So this lack of parental nurturance or worse, parental rejection is extremely painful to a child. So the child and later the adult, they take refuge in a fantasy of love to avoid the pain. So when you think about how you escaped neglectful, unnurturing environments, most of the time, when, a, when we look at a love, a, a love addict and how it formed, they started forming addiction. They, they started forming fantasy as escapism early on in their um, childhood. Because when we think about love addiction, it develops when reality, love addiction is developed when reality is too painful for that conscious mind to manage. And so a fantasy version of a loved one and of a life with that person develops. And sometimes it can even be the parents. The child starts developing the fantasy that their parents, that they can perform an audition and their parents will eventually love them and give them the attention. They start performing in school. They start doing great, getting all the accolades because if I'm a good girl, I'm a good little boy, then my parents will see me and they'll give me all the attention that I, that I need and I so desire. Because when we think about this for a minute, you know, we think about that love addict when their behavior, it's, it comes from unconscious, an unconscious place of pain due to trauma from abuse. And abuse can be emotional, physical, or sexual, or it's neglect that occurred early in life. But when we focus on someone else, think about this in relationship, when you focus on someone else, the pain or the trauma and or the neglect that you've experienced is avoided because it remains unconscious because you're focusing on that relationship. You're focusing on the center of your love. And this is why someone else, especially in the love addicts, in a love addict relationship, their needs in adult relationships feel so enormous. It feels insatiable because they were not met when they were a child. So the wound is so deep. Another question that I'll often get asked is, what type of partners do love addicts choose? <laughs> what kind of partners do love addicts choose? So when it comes to love addiction, it takes two to tangle. We know this. So a love addict will unconsciously look for a partner who avoids intimacy. So Pia Melody, probably if you're watching this video, you can see it on my shelf by my white butterfly facing love addiction. Pia refers to these partners as love avoidance. According to Melanie, love avoidance consciously and greatly fear intimacy because they believe that they will be drained, engulfed, and controlled by it. So often these people were drained, engulfed, or controlled by the emotions and needs of others when they were small children. Small children engulfed by their parents' emotions or a parent was an addict or a parent used them as a surrogate spouse. But often avoidance doesn't show itself in the very beginning of a relationship, going back to the love addicts adult relationship. So now the love avoidant might be the one who initially comes on strong and does the, the wooing. You know, often when I do workshops, I show a clip in from the movie Love um, Gone Girl. Well, well, Nick and Amy, they're the characters in the movie. But Nick, who we can who I would put as a love avoidant, comes on very strong in the beginning he becomes, and he literally says, I'm the one who's here to save you when Amy asks who he is, right? 
But then later on, won't, won't, move, won't ruin the movie if you haven't seen it. But if you look at it, Nick would be a love avoidant and Amy would be a love addict. And you'll see this, uh, I call it love addiction on steroids if you haven't seen the movie Gone Girl. But when the relationship progresses, their fear of intimacy becomes heightened and they begin to push their partner away. So in her book, Face in Love Addiction, Melanie Piamelli, she outlines three ways that love, at, love avoidance typically avoid intimacy. Three ways. They limit intensity within the relationship by creating more intensity in activities, out, often addictions outside of the relationship. They avoid being truly known by their partner to protect themselves from being controlled or engulfed by the other person. They restrict intimate contact with their partner through a variety of distancing strategies. But essentially, love addicts are attracted to people who are not able to meet their, their needs. Even though the love addict feels as though they want a close relationship more than anything in the world, they unconsciously choose partners that avoid closeness at all costs. This relationship dynamic creates a toxic cycle. Though it's very painful, it distracts the love addict from focusing on the unresolved pain of early childhood. So as we end or become to the end of this episode, let me share with you a couple of other things. So people will ask me, what's the cycle of love addiction? Love addiction does tend to follow a predictable cycle. I can put different couples in front of me and there's similar patterns. And some of that is the initial signs of attraction. Both partners are very drawn to one another. Sometimes people will say it was love at first sight and it was really intense in the beginning. And as they get involved, the love addict forms a fantasy of being rescued. At the same time, their partner begins to pull away or put up walls to avoid real intimacy. As she gets closer, he pulls away, right? Or vice versa, meaning he or she. The love addict becomes enamored with a fantasy and is blind to real flaws in the relationship and their, in their partner. So the relationship becomes the center of their universe and they start to think about it all the time, obsessively. Meanwhile, the avoidant partner begins to pull away more and more, sensing their partner's neediness and insecurity, which leads them to, the, to resent the relationship. So when the avoidant partner pulls away, the love addict's fear of abandonment is triggered and they cling, cling on even more, right? So the love addict becomes frustrated and upset. No matter how much energy they pour into the relationship, they can't seem to make it work. They try to fix themselves, still clinging to the fantasy that their partner's perfect and they're going to change only if they can go back to the beginning, Janie. And at this point, the avoidant partner may be distancing themselves further from the relationship, potentially abusing alcohol or other drugs or even having an affair. But eventually the love addict starts to recognize their partner's bad behavior. They may lash out with emotional outbursts, become very reactive, very abusive in the reaction, and they might act uh, compulsively themselves. And they feel ashamed of their own bad behavior. So the love addict apologizes and returns once again to the fantasy that things will all work out. We're going to therapy now. So Janie's going to fix them. And this cycle can repeat many times in the course of one relationship. And if at any point the love addict's partner, the love addicted partner, I should say, ends the relationship, the avoidant partner may suddenly do a complete 180 and fight to get the relationship back. However, as soon as the relationship picks up again, guess what? The familiar dynamics take over. So 
how can someone recover from love addiction? Couple things. The first step is they have to recognize that love addiction, they have to understand, and they have to understand that in order to recover from love addiction, they have to recognize that there's a problem. Like fighting any addiction, the process can be challenging. Feels Feelings of over withdrawal may arise. And recovering love addicts may find it really hard to face unresolved childhood pain. However, with help, people can break the pattern of love addiction and go on to form truly fulfilling and close, intimate relationships. So if you're relating to anything that I've shared during this episode, there's a few things I want you to do right now, in particularly, in particularly three. I want you to take a relationship inventory. You can't break toxic relationship patterns until you first become an observer of them. Secondly, create a support, a supportive network. When you're trying to make life-changing decisions to break old relational behavior patterns, you can't do it alone. And three, heal from unfinished business. It is extremely important that you look at where your partner patterns may have originated and to also examine your emotional stuck points, the parts of you that are still immature and have not matured in order to heal from those toxic relational patterns. So I want you to think about those three steps and they can be very difficult and there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, but I wanted to give you some three quick tips if you relate to anything that I've said. And it can be difficult at times to work through, but I want you to know that it is worth it when you arrive on the other side, you look back and say, thank goodness I did the work, but you'll need to stay committed to the process even when the work feels too hard. If you're going to make the necessary changes that will break dysfunctional relational patterns, a broken heart causes a lot of grief and can make daily life challenging. But if the love relationship is addictive and toxic, the breakup can be even more devastating physically, mentally, spiritually but you can build a better understanding of your own history and make the necessary life changes to be happy and healthy in your romantic relationships when you commit to breaking your toxic love patterns and when you get sick enough of that same old love. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week. 